second millennium from the year 1000 after creation to the year 2000 was marked by two major events. One, of course, was the flood of Noah, and the second was the building of the Tower of Babel, or of Babel. Now, these two events are uh, very closely related because they're both forms of punishment which did not occur at all in the first millennium, where although people were sinful, there was no punishment for their sin. The punishment came only in the second millennium. The first punishment of the flood was that people were were destroyed, annihilated. All living things died in the flood, except for Noah and his family. The second punishment, the Tower of, of Babel, of Babel, was the... Uh, the division, the separation of people, where people spoke different languages, uh, different groups spoke different languages, and they went and moved apart, no longer lived in the same place, no longer had all the similarities that had united them previously. But they were not annihilated. They were not wiped out. The Rebbe explains the reason for this is that the people in the first millennium were wicked uh, in their treatment and in their behavior towards each other. Man to man, they were corrupt and, and, uh, and evil. And because life was miserable, life on earth was made miserable by their behavior, they were contributing nothing towards the improvement of earth, the imp improvement of creation. So although their belief in God was strong, that was not their problem. It was not in their relationship to God that they were lacking or sinful, only in their relationship to each other. But in spite of their good relationship with God, the punishment was a severe one. They were completely annihilated because they had contributed nothing towards making the world, the earth, a better place. And so they didn't earn or deserve to remain alive on, on the planet because they had done nothing for the planet. And you contrast that with the second generation, the second millennium. The people after the flood were very good to each other. As the Torah says, everyone lived in the same valley, and they all spoke the same language, and they all cooperated in the building of this tower. So between, from, between man and man, they were fine. It was their relationship to God that was corrupted. They started to worship idols and so on. And so the punishment was a severe one, but not as severe as the earlier generation meaning that they were not removed from the earth because they had contributed towards making earth a better place, because between man and man, they were good. And so they needed to be divided, they needed to be separated so they wouldn't uh, cooperate on an evil plan, but they were not removed from the earth 
because they had earned the right to remain alive on the earth. But the relationship between the two events consists of the fact that the flood was a divine punishment, not a natural occurrence, not a quirk of, of nature. The people at the time of the temple of the tower were convinced that the flood was a natural phenomenon and that the earth was a dangerous place to be, that floods would happen periodically, and so they built the tower in order to get away from earth. Whatever, whatever their plan was, get out of earth's atmosphere or build the tower all the way to the moon, whatever their plan was, they were trying to get off the earth. And the sin in that, the ungodliness of that, was their lack of belief that the flood had come as a divine expression of uh, disappointment with, with human beings and as a form of purification to get the earth cleaned again so that it can continue on its uh, journey or on its path towards becoming a divine dwelling place for God himself. The, the change that, that occurred in the world between the first millennium and the second millennium is that the first millennium was basically a time of generosity and kindness, undeserved, unearned by creation. Obviously, if God's going to create the world out of nothing, he has to create it on his own initiative it's not that the world has earned or deserved to be created because it doesn't exist yet. So the initial creation has to be for free. It has to be undeserved. And so for the first millennium, that attribute or that quality that brought the world into creation was dominant. And so people sinned for a thousand years and there was no punishment. There was no judgment. It was all for free. It was all kindness. But the second generation, I'm sorry, the second millennium, here God said, I started you off, I gave you life, I gave you a thousand years in which to adjust to the purpose for which you were created. Now it's time that you take responsibility. Now it's time that you start to earn and you start to deserve the, uh, the divine blessings of life and health and so on. And when they failed, then there was judgment, and in that judgment came the flood and the division or the dispersion at the Tower of Babel. Now we see in our own time that certain natural instincts, which we've always taken for granted, uh, the appreciation of the sanctity of life, the maternal instinct, the loyalty of children to their parents. I mean, these things, we were convinced, were indisputable, um, inevitable, 
that every human being, given a minimum degree of sanity, has these feelings, has these experiences, and that human beings can't possibly be any other way. We took them for granted. We see today that none of this can be assumed and none of this can be taken for granted. Even something as fundamental as the maternal instinct we now find cannot be depended on to make a mother loyal to her children or even sensitive, compassionate to her children. Children killing themselves, children killing others, there is something fundamentally wrong. This is not a lack of quality. This is not a lack of some attribute. This is not a lack of some, of some values or principles. There is something very fundamentally wrong in areas that we thought we would never have to worry about. And that's why there are things that, that, that are happening and people are doing things that we never thought we would have to deal with. Now, when a problem is that fundamental, obviously the solution would have to be equally fundamental. And so all the talk about uh, communication, about uh, expression, about positive self-image, all of this is not basic enough, it's not fundamental enough to, to cure, to heal, to antidote a problem that is far more fundamental. So we have to dig down much deeper and get down to some very basic, primal considerations, primal truths that might help antidote these very fundamental problems. It's not enough to say to a child, life would be so much better if you would get along. You'll be healthier if you don't do drugs. You'll be happier if you, uh, if you get along with your mother. Or, or to build up a self-image and to give children compliments and to tell them that they are loved and to tell them that they are special and to tell them that uh, they can become famous and popular and great and wealthy and successful, all of this misses completely the most fundamental consideration of all, and that is, does life have meaning? Now, when we talk about meaning of life, we're not talking about an ambition in life. We're not talking about finding something that inspires you and wakes you up in the morning because you're determined to succeed at becoming a doctor or a lawyer or president. When we say meaning of life, we're talking about the meaning that produced life, not a meaning that we're going to discover if we bother and if we search, and if a teacher inspires us successfully to want to become successful at a certain career or certain endeavors.
not a purpose that comes after the fact, but a purpose in life and a meaning in life that creates the fact, that creates life itself. Because we're down to fundamentals. We are not talking about a generation of people who appreciate the sanctity of life, and their question is only, what should I do with my life? How can I get the most out of life? That used to be the issue. It is no longer. The issues now are, is life itself justified? Is it necessary? And we're not finding any positive answers to this. So no matter how good life can be, none of it seems necessary. So I can succeed or I can fail. Either way, it's not necessary. I can, I can be the pride of my family or the shame of my family. But what's the difference, really? I can live a long life or I can live a short life. And what really is the difference? So we're not talking about quality of life and the search for quality of life. We're not talking about finding a religious devotion. We're not talking about satisfying a spiritual quest. We're not talking about the conventional um, pleasures and the conventional um, pursuits that have kept us busy in the past. We're talking about something far more fundamental. What really is the difference? And so when we tell children, just say no, they understand what we're saying. They appreciate the fact that drugs can kill them or, or fry their brains and leave them brainless for the rest of their lives. They know what the dangers are. They know what the costs are. They know what the benefits of not taking the drugs will be. They will be accepted by their family, by their school. They will be respected. They will become successful. They know all of that. So they understand what we're saying. They just don't see the significance of it. It's all true. It's all correct. This can kill you. This can destroy your life. It can ruin you forever. And if you don't do it, you can be successful and wealthy and so on. True. But so what? So what? Does it really make any difference? So to come back again and to tell the children again, but we love you and we care about you and you can be so much greater than you are now, you have so much potential, we're not, we're not addressing the issue at hand because what we're saying is not fundamental. The question or, the, or the, uh, the problem that the children are dealing with is fundamental and we're talking about the details of life, we're talking about the spirit of life, we're not getting to the soul of the matter. The soul of the matter has to be that God created the world with a purpose. He created you with a purpose. He needs you for that purpose. And when after a flood, people build a tower because they're afraid that the flood will happen again and they completely miss the fact that events in the world are divine 
and they're all related somehow or some way to that fundamental truth that God created the world for his need and for his purpose. And if there's a flood that wipes out every living being on earth except for a handful of, of people in the, in the ark, how can we fail to know that this is part of a divine plan? How can we attribute that to a quirk of nature, to a weakness in nature, and build a tower trying to get to the moon? And even spiritually, even if we recognize that the flood came as punishment for our misdeeds, the world had become evil, people were corrupt, and they had to be punished, they had to be stopped, and so the flood came and stopped them. And now we have a pure, clean, innocent world in which we can be spiritual. Maybe that's the deeper meaning of the tower that they were building. They wanted to get away from earthiness and become more heavenly. That was their response to the flood. And that, too, was not acceptable to God. That, too, misses the point. The flood didn't come to remove people from earth, to make people more heavenly, otherworldly. It is the world, it is this earth that God wants as a home. It's here that God wants to dwell. And when people corrupted the earth to, to the point where they could no longer redeem it, that they could no longer fix it, God brought the flood and removed them all from the earth, but the earth became more receptive, better able to become the divine dwelling place that God intended in creation. So our, our response should not be, if the world is bad, if earth is corrupt, let's go to heaven, let's build a tower and take ourselves out of the world. That's not what God wants. Fundamentally, that's wrong. It may be nice. In the spirit of things, it may be far more spiritual to build a tower and go to the moon. Be heavenly. But fundamentally, in terms of the soul of creation, that's missing the point completely. And so our message has to be twofold. Number one, you exist as part of a divine plan. You are necessary for a divine purpose. So your life is justified not because you find meaning, but because the Creator finds meaning in your existence. Number two, that meaning has to do with earth, not with heaven. The meaning of your existence is to contribute towards the godliness of life on earth, not to escape earth and live a more spiritual life. That's the fundamental antidote to the fundamental problem that we're facing today. How do we do this properly? We have to go into the ark. Going into the ark was on the one hand an act of faith because no one of that entire generation besides Noah and his children 
no one believed God that there would be a flood. And so those who did go into the ark were expressing a faith in God's prediction, in God's promise that he was going to bring a flood. And that's why even Ham, Noah's sinful son, is considered a righteous uh, person at that time because he at least had the necessary faith that brought him into the ark. And since that was the challenge of the time, that was the Nisoyan of that time, his, his having faith put him into the category of the righteous relative to the other people of the generation who did not have that faith. So his other sins notwithstanding, he passed the test of the day. The test of the day, will you get into the ark or will you not? And this is what the commentaries say about Noah, and I guess it's true of, of all of them. Noah was a tzaddik in his generation. Relative to everyone else in his generation, he was the most righteous, or he was righteous. And what that means is that we're not judging the individual as an individual in terms of their private sins or uh, private failings, but rather we're judging them relative to the generation. Each generation has its challenge, and if you meet that challenge, if you pass that ultimate test, then you are righteous. If you fail in that ultimate test, then you are failing in that righteousness, even if in your personal life you have been very moral and very pious. So on the one hand, going into the ark is an act of faith, meeting the challenge of the day, but also going into the ark means to surround yourself with the words of Torah. Fundamentals. There are the concepts of Torah, there are the teachings of Torah, there's the philosophy of Torah, there's the spiritual, mystical insights that Torah offers, but most fundamentally, there are the words of Torah, the words that are unchanging, the same letters, the same words, the same vowels, thousands of years. This is the Word of God, unchanging, permanent, fundamental, and from these words, everything else derives. All the meaning, all the sensitivity, all the wisdom, it all comes from these words, composed of 22 letters with which God created the world, with which God communicates to, to his creation, with which we write the Torah. So by entering the ark, entering the words of Torah, appreciating the fundamental truth, the reality of the words of Torah, that God created the world, that he has a purpose, that he needs you in the world, and that every mitzvah you do is fundamentally essential to this vast eternal plan. Everything else is commentary. Shalom Aleichem. How are you? You know, I do a lot of talking, a lot of Zooming, many classes, many subjects. 
but that's all formal stuff. Hopefully good stuff, but formal. We also have a Wednesday night meeting that's more informal and kind of um, Hamish. If you want to join us for that kind of an event, um, interactive, time for questions and so on, if you want to join us for this side of conversation, click on the link below and join us every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Well, maybe not every Wednesday night, but we try to make it every Wednesday night at nine o'clock, a more informal chat, which um, can be more enjoyable at times than the formal stuff. So check it out, click on the link and join us. Try it, you'll like it.